Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I am here today for a very special podcast because I am with my amazing and gracious co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you, Dr. Ravello? I'm super gracious. You are. <laughs> How are you? I, I'm I'm pretty gracious also and happy to be here because we have a guest. We do have a guest. We are we very excited. We don't want to sit here awkwardly. So I know. We're <laughs> so we're going to introduce her first because otherwise that'd be weird. <laughs> Do you want to introduce your regard? So this is Dr. Hillary Jenny. Dr. Jenny is visiting us from... Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins, and originally from... Wisconsin. Wisconsin. And so Dr. Jenny is visiting us here at the Roxbury Clinic and Surgery Center because she is a potential fellow coming to check out the scene and see if mm-hmm. she might want to join us for her fellowship in a year or two. Yeah, and we're not going to grill every fellow. No, this is not the usual standard operating procedure. She walked into this. (laughs) I know. We're like, hey, what are you doing? You're not leaving until tomorrow, right? (laughs) No pressure. Just got to nail it on the podcast. Otherwise, you know, the fellowship is out the window. (laughs) But the reason we have the lovely Dr. Jenny on is because we were going to talk today about how one becomes a plastic surgeon and what the steps are to get there and exactly like who we are. Like, how did we get here? What are our credentials? Like, are we even doctors so that's what the impetus of this was and it just so happened that dr jenny was here so it all worked out pretty well so welcome dr jenny How welcome are you? thank you i'm doing great good yeah are you also feeling gracious because i have a gracious go <laughs> doubly gracious yeah <laughs> <That's good. laughs> well we uh we go through a lot to become plastic surgeons mm-hmm. we do there there's, is there's a lot of hoop jumping a lot, of, a lot of steps there's a lot of steps to get here which and i say this all the time it cracked me up but when i was going through all of these hoops which we will get to i remember my mom very distinctly being like oh huh i didn't even realize plastic surgeons were doctors as i'm like <laughs> taking my like fifth board exam and getting like very little sleep and like trying to get this position and huh I didn't even realize plastic surgeons were doctors. So I'm guessing she's probably not alone (laughs) in in that sentiment. So that's true. Let's talk about sort of how we get here and what are those hoops? Well, first of all, I think let's establish where Dr. Jenny is in the process. So, but we haven't even gone through the process yet. But there's that's why I want to come up to it. (laughs) Okay, fine. You want to go through the process? I want to go through the process. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Fine. Fine. So, first things first, you were born. I was born, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) From what I can remember, I was a little wet and a little loud. (laughs) loud. Um, And then you grew up, went to high school, went Mm -hmm. to undergraduate college, which took you seven years, eight years? How long was undergraduate? Oh, you're assuming I graduated. (laughs) (laughs) See? There you go. So, usually four Four years. years. Did you do it in four? I did in four. There are options to do med school and undergrad combined, which you would actually Mm -hmm. do. Your undergrad and medical school usually in six years. I know BU has some program like that. Yep. Um, but you did a traditional undergrad mm-hmm. and you majored in? I double majored in neuroscience and music. Mm, and I this was me. where? MIT. MIT. She's a smarty pants. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Next. That's brilliant. Um, so four years at MIT, double yep. major in mm-hmm. music ne- and neuroscience. 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 Yep. Okay. And then... Which was easy, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) It's a piece of cake. And so then what happened after undergrad? After undergrad, I went to med school. Um, So I went to the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Um, I did four years of medical school there, but I also got an MPH. um, So I got that concurrently during my first two years. Um, And then I decided to take a research year once I decided I wanted to go into plastic surgery. So... 
So the MPH, that's interesting. Did mm-hmm. you do that? Was that like an offering of Sinai or did you just say, you know, I think I'm going to do this while I'm doing this? Um, yeah, they had an, an MPH program. And wow. so it was October, I think, of my first year of med school. And I just kind of wanted to do something in addition or something else. And so I like med asked. school was too easy. Yeah, piece of cake. <laughs> Clearly. So I don't know. Yeah. I missed it. So, um, you know, I asked if I could join a little bit late um, and they said, well, you know, midterms are in a week and a half but like if you're willing to take them in a week and a half you can join and i said sure okay um so i joined two classes um and then yeah i just i really liked it and nice. I stuck through it. so that's mph awesome. is a master's in public health mm-hmm. just yeah. to clarify which is great that's awesome and so then you applied to medical school i mean i mean after uh, your medics after medical school you applied for your residency yes which is where we're up to now so undergrad mit med school sinai in new york then you apply for your residency, and we have to go mm-hmm. through the match, which is right. a process of how you get your residency, where you're going to basically send out applications to places that you want to train. And you really have to be okay with going to any of these places. Yeah. You have to like be yeah, okay sure. with every single one on that list. You have to be okay with going to those places because once you've interviewed and you've gone to all the places, you create a match list, which you put in the order of your favorites, one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five, six, whatever. The residency programs that interviewed you also do a rank list, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of all the candidates they interviewed. And then you get thrown into this computer and the computer starts matching people up with their first choices. And then it spits out the name of where you're going. And on match day, it's this big flurry. It's one day, same day across the entire nation. And every single fourth year, is it fourth year? Fourth year. Fourth year. Every single fourth year medical student gets an envelope and you all open the envelope at the same time, and it tells you where you're going to be for the next six to eight years of your life. And you don't have a choice. That's where you're going. You can't be like, um, so I wasn't entirely sure I wanted to come here. Can I take that back? Can we trade seeds? Like, you can't do that. Like, that's where you're going. Have a good trip. Binding contract. <laughs> yeah, binding it's a contract. binding contract. If yeah. you put that school or that place on your rank list that is a binding contract that you will go to that place now i mean you're at a good place but let's be serious you really didn't want to go to johns hopkins <laughs> that wasn't number one i left out <laughs> of course it was <laughs> i'm sure it was it's a great place to train that is yeah. an amazing yeah. place amazing. to train and so that's residency so i i think it's interesting to go back to something you said uh shortly before that you did a research year while you were in medical school Mm -hmm. and you said because you wanted to go into plastic surgery. So let's unpack that just a little bit because I'm sure where you are now is even more competitive than where I was when I was going through residency matches. And historically for the past at least 15 years, plastic surgery is one of the most competitive residencies to get into. It's like dermatology, plastic surgery, ophthalmology maybe, ortho. Ortho. So those are sort of like the top ones. Really? Yeah. It's climbing on up. It is. Yeah, yeah it's up there. But those are stuff. sort of the, mm-hmm. the, the top ones, which you really have to be top of your class, published papers. Like, that's where you really have to be top level. And you said you did an extra year of research yep. because you wanted to be competitive. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't initially know I wanted to go into plastic surgery. I thought I was going to do OBGYN. Um, 
And then I realized in my third year, actually, I started with surgery because I was like, I definitely don't want to be a surgeon. It sounds oh, terrible. <laughs> and then I got there and I was like, oh, shoot, I like this a lot. Um, yep. And I had a lot of plastic surgery residents on my teams and they sort of took me under their wing, taught me how to suture. Um, and I really just felt like I had found my people. And I was like, wow, I really get along with these people. I love being in the OR. I think I actually need to go into surgery and even more specifically plastic surgery. And so, hence the extra year hence of research, year. Yeah. research, then you matched and got your spot in residency. And residencies for plastic surgery can take uh, basically one of two forms at this point. You can either have what's called an integrated program, mm -hmm. and so that's what you are in right now. That means that it is a specific program for plastic surgery that you go into right out of med school, and usually it's anywhere from six to eight years, depending on whether or not they throw a research year or two in there. And that's when you start out doing some general surgery, but from the start, from the get-go, you're being put into plastic surgery rotations so that you have a full six years of exposure to plastic surgery. The other route, the route that I took, um, is a five plus two or five plus three route where you do five years of general surgery. You can also do five years of ENT. That's another somewhat common thing to do. And you go through that entire residency. You become board certified in that residency. You are a general surgeon or you are an ENT. And then you choose to go on and do an additional three years of mm -hmm. training in plastic surgery. And so that's an additional way of becoming a plastic surgeon. Yeah, and you can also get in. So to become a plastic surgery resident, you can get there through orthopedic surgery, mm -hmm. urology. Uh, OMFS. Yeah, OMFS, mm -hmm. ENT, and general surgery. Yeah, I think basically those are sort any of the, surgery yeah. residency. Yeah. Yeah, you probably could get in from any surgery residency, but the applicability of it is kind of low for some surgeries, so they probably wouldn't take you per se. But yeah, as long as you've completed a surgery residency of some kind, you are eligible to apply for that extra three years of plastic surgery training. And Hopkins is an integrated. We are integrated. We also have an independent round as well. So we take one independent resident a year. I think that that's the same at USC, right? There's uh, one, one independent one, one to two, depending. Sometimes residents in the integrated program will go out for research for a couple of years. So if there are extra spots that the residency yeah. program needs to fill to meet their quota of residents for any given year, they might bring in an extra independent. An independent is a resident that's done a full general surgery residency already. And so they come in with, as what's called independence. And then they do the last three years with the integrated residents. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> at this point, uh, the reason that you are here is that you are looking to do the fellowship. Mm -hmm. But wait, is, there's more training. It's not over. <laughs> That's not enough years yet. And she, Dr. Hillary is actually 47 years old. I mean, she looks great, but we're plastic but surgeons. We're plastic surgeons, so, you know. so I mean. Um, but the next thing is to do a fellowship training, which um, isn't necessary. You don't have to do that. You could go just go out into practice. Yep. Yes. You definitely can. You can go out and just practice as a plastic surgeon doing whatever scope of plastic surgery you feel comfortable. You can do the entire breadth of plastic surgery. Um, but particularly if you want to super focus or specialize in one given area, or if you're planning on practicing in an urban area, a lot of times it's really important to get a little bit of extra training in one particular area. And plastic surgery covers a huge breadth of mm -hmm. additional specialties within the umbrella of plastic surgery, which a lot of people don't realize. Like, a lot of people don't even realize that we do hand surgery, yeah. which I am happy to not do <laughs> hand surgery ever again. No. no, thank you. But there are those that really love doing hand surgery and do hand fellowships. 
There's mm-hmm. microvascular fellowships, which you do a lot of these complex reconstructions yep. for breasts and other parts of the body. There is, what else is there? Craniofacial. 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 Mm-hmm. So patients with cleft palates, cleft lips, craniofacial syndromes. That's another really competitive Cleveland fellowship. As with a well, overleaf head. Yes, it's very, very rare. Yes, with thing the I've bony ever seen. deformities. <laughs> Pfeiffer's syndrome. Pfeiffer's syndrome was all coming Large back. Cruise on. I'm going to go through them all. Yeah. Just, since you said that <laughs> word, I'm like, I'm ready to take my boards. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And then, and then for the reason Dr. Jenny is here, an aesthetic fellowship. So that's an additional year of doing specifically aesthetic surgery to get an extra edge mm-hmm. on Which that we do side. a lot of here. We do a fair amount. Yeah. Um, I understand from your show that you're going to be offering a oral reconstruction fellowship as well. Yes, I'm going to be specializing <laughs> in oral lip repairs. Come to me. I'm your girl. Commissureplasties. <laughs> Love it. Whatever the it whole is. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Born your without a, is in trouble. Born without a mouth. <laughs> I'm your girl. <laughs> Everyone needs a niche. <laughs> it's mine. Uh, evidently. Uh, hopefully you'll get something else. But yes. We'll maybe a nose or some, something, something cool. Something. Uh, but so, yeah. So you're here interviewing for the mm-hmm. fellowship. You've been here. You did a week with us, which is, yep. by the way, for other people interviewing for the fellowship, you don't have to visit. It's totally unnecessary. We can figure it out from our interviews and from your letters and all that. But a lot of people have decided to come and visit because... I guess it's over, COVID's over from a travel standpoint. You yeah. can come, you can stay. And uh, it is helpful because then you get to know like whether you're comfortable here. Right, what mm-hmm. you're getting into. And Dr. Jenny may leave tomorrow or Sunday and be like, nope. <laughs> I think Not that, that's, putting that that's on the likely. rank list. <laughs> <laughs> After this week with what she's been through. Nope. And I think there's a good chance that uh, there's no way she's coming back here. But that's okay. Um, but that I think it is good. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what made you think like and did you you have to take elective time to do this, right? Or yeah. is it vacation time? Um, it's elective. Yeah. So I get one month, one month of elective this year. And so I knew that I wanted to just spend time getting to know some of the programs that I was highly considering and it seemed like a good use of time. Yeah. And, you know, it does make a big difference because you, you want to f- like it. You don't need to do this year. You know, the year of the fellowship is is totally elective. So you want to make sure you line up at a place that you're really comfortable. Mm-hmm. It is really important. It's got to be a match. That's why we have the match. Um, I, I think it's it's smart. I, I wish we had... I didn't have a fellowship like this that mm-hmm. was really available. There was this... Um, the fellowship in Manhattan, Ioneer, was available, but it essentially went to NYU residents. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the deal. So yeah. like, I didn't even like shoot for anything like that. My fellowship was basically on-the-job training as a tenure tracked professor at UC Irvine, you know, with yeah. you know some pretty smart people there, so it, <laughs> yeah. it was good. Uh, but I I think this fellowship is a big deal, especially you know since we were residents, you know, not that you were in my vintage, but like in my time, we didn't have work hour restrictions. But with work hour restrictions, you can't get as much surgery in. You know, you really don't. You know, I I averaged like 117 hours a week for seven years okay. straight. You guys aren't allowed to do that. The, the yeah. residency program will be in trouble right. if you mm-hmm. do that. So yeah. the training training's different today. And yeah. so I think fellowships are really important. I, I think it's it I'm sure you operate plenty in your residency. Quite a bit, yep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. quite a bit. And that's how USC was. Yeah. yeah. That's you operate how a lot. Pittsburgh is. But aesthetics is hard to get a lot of experience in <clears throat> at any residency. There are very few residencies mm-hmm. that have really strong, robust aesthetic experiences for residents. So it's not uncommon to come out and want to do a little bit more just to get a better you know, foothold and, and training in the aesthetic sphere, which is great. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, what were your, I mean, what were your reasons for wanting to do the fellowship? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely get really good operative experience at Johns Hopkins, but um, less aesthetic than reconstructive. You know, we're a tertiary medical care center. We get a lot of really complex reconstruction. We get a lot of craniofacial trauma at shock trauma. So I feel like there are certain things that I knew I would leave residency feeling pretty comfortable doing. Um, But, you know, I really wanted to do aesthetic surgery, and I wanted to do aesthetic surgery extremely well. And so in order to do that, I think you have to learn from people who do aesthetic surgery extremely well and spend dedicated time. Right, and this fellowship's really the only one that does that. So <laughs> I think, you know, no bias, I'm just no bias. <laughs> no, there are amazing fellowships out there with really incredible people. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and and this year there are more fellowships than applicants. So yeah, typically really? there are thirty. Typically there are thirty to thirty-five applicants for fellowships, and I think there are thirty thirty-two fellowships now. Huh. Yeah. So when when uh, Grant Stevens and I put the Roxbury Clinic together. You know, he, he'd had the Marina Fellowship for years, I think for 16, 20 years, something like that. And uh, 2014, we had our first fellows for the combined Marina Rocks. And now we've added uh, Dr. Ash Gavami. So now it's Marina Rocks Gavami <laughs> Fellowship, I guess. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it, it's... We need a better name. <laughs> yeah, I, I, be like the Los Angeles yeah. Fellowship or mm. something. I think we have to yeah. we have to rebrand it, right. rename it because you know yeah. now it's just getting like it's getting you can't ridiculous. name every office where you go to. <laughs> and but um, adding Ash Gavami's been a big deal. So it's Marina Roxbury and then uh, Dr. Gavami's uh, location. And I, I think the training is great. But you know there are great fellowships in Dallas, in mm-hmm. New York, um, in Houston, and North Carolina. And there there's just a, there's a lot of places. So you have to go kind of check out where you want to be and where yeah. you're going to get what you want. Exactly. I mean, there's opportunity costs for doing fellowship. You're not going out into practice. And That's so right. you got to make sure that it's going to be worth your time. Yeah. I and mean, Brad Calabrese is a great fellowship in uh, Lexington, yeah. Kentucky. I mean, yeah. amazing. Like, uh, yeah, I, I should go do that fellowship. I know. I, think I really I know. have fun I, with that. You're like missing all these places. I'm like, gosh, I want to go there. I want to go there. That sounds How really fun. How fun would it be to train with uh, Calabrese? It'd be so fun. That'd I want to so go. Cool. I want to do a fellowship. <laughs> You don't get paid very you much. You don't get paid. That's the downside, yeah, right? At this point, you're, yeah, you don't get paid much during residency or your fellowship and your interest on your student loans just accrue. So at some point, you have to stop training and go into practice and actually make money to pay off all that student debt. So you can't be a fellow forever. And one of the questions that the fellows always have is how much operative experience are you going to have? And it's, uh, it, you know, it's interesting because Dr. Gavami is also new to the fellowship and he kind of said, well, well, how do you get the fellows involved? I said, well, I do all my own cases. I have to. Mm-hmm. My patients have paid me to get the result that I am capable of generating. But I have assistance. And with assistance, you, you know, the assistant is heavily involved in holding retractors and making sure things are tensioned correctly. So the, there's a lot of learning that happens through the interaction of, of assisting, you know, the chief the the boss in their surgery mm-hmm. you know dr Avello needs things to turn out the way that she needs them to turn out dr gavami needs them to turn out the way that he needs them to turn out so you help do those cases and in the assistance and in the learning you get all that you get all that you need to because re- you're already able to operate so now you're you're operating but you know you're not driving the case mm-hmm. however we have the fellows clinic and what happens a lot is people call up and say, boy, I'd love a revision rhinoplasty with Dr. Calvert. And, you know, my coordinator will say, great. This is it. Oh, and what's the average cost? Well, it's, you know, X with a lot of zeros after. Yeah. <laughs> and they go, oh, my God, my budget's only X with less zeros after. 
And we said, well, we have a fellows clinic where you can mm-hmm. see a fully trained, board-eligible plastic surgeon yep. who will do the care for you. Dr. Calvert will be intimately involved in this operation, but the pre-op and the post-op will be done by the fellow. And in surgery, Dr. Calvert will be there, scrubbed, and make sure that you have a great result. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have gotten some amazing some results. Really good surgeries. <laughs> really good operations. For very little money. <laughs> for a lot less, you know, exponentially less. And, and it's doable. And so the fellows do get their own their own get cases their own, yeah. that way very frequently. Plus, you can also come in and see the fellows. And the fellows mm-hmm. who hustle get out there and, like, kick doors and shake bushes and shake <laughs> they trees. They find the patient. And, and they get down. patients yeah. in. That's right. You know, I think uh, Dr. Perez flew a patient out from Dallas. And, oh, wow. Yeah. That's right. He did. He did. And by That's the way, great. nailed it. Yeah. Amazing nose. Yeah. Yeah. Did a rib graft, the one. whole thing. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I think we hit that case won us the resident competition. Oh, that's right. I think we won the plastic bowl for that. Yes, yeah, so now oh, the stakes wow. are really high, just saying, for this fellowship, okay. because we now holder, have but, uh, to defend <laughs> our fellowship <laughs> going right. forward, because we won the Plastic Bowl Challenge oh, that's right. in 2021 at the Aesthetic Society meeting, so now we need a partner for this one. We need that's a 2022 right. bowl. Yeah, that's Save very important. Bowl. I think that's just coming up. Uh, putting that out there, fellows. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's, uh, yeah, what happened? that we did? I don't think we did that competition last year. Because uh, that was at ASAPs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that, that blew past us. Oh, yeah. I wasn't there. I was... But that was this year. That was... Oh, my gosh. Because this is 2022. You were not there. No, it was, was in San Diego. I, I don't remember a plastic break. bowl. Hmm. Yeah. I don't remember that either. We did have the uh, Battle of the Bands, which I also have, <laughs> since we're going through my ASAPs trophies now. <laughs> so we did have the Battle of the Bands, and we did win that. That's right. So, that was the focus. by the way, you missed this. It's, you would have I know. This. I, yeah, it was pretty great. I, I think you were there. I was right? there. Yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah, but you I mean, can't put an, a meeting during spring break. Like, <laughs> I know. That was dumb. Yeah, I know. It was. It was you know? during spring yeah. break. Like some of us have places to go. Well, that's like the California Society's always on Memorial Day weekend. I know. Mm, no. yeah. I, I'm not going to be that's there. I have a family. Not... Yeah. You know, children and people that, you know, I One, need stuff. to see yeah. a lot more than my colleagues talking about plastic surgery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so do you have any questions for us about the fellowship? You've been here for the week. I think you've had them all answered, but we'd be happy to help you with anything else that you need to know. Yeah, I mean, I think I got it down. I guess the one thing I would say for other people applying is, um, you know, it's a formal match system. It didn't used to be. Um, and right. if you want to do it and you don't think that you can because you don't know people yet, um, you know, don't let that stop you. Um, get out there, look at places, get involved in the community, and you can do it, Yeah, I think. Yeah, you got to put yourself out there. Yeah. You do. Um, yeah. It's, you know, and, and just for our listeners who probably don't know this, there's a massive taboo about going into aesthetic surgery right out of your residency. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, like it it's this thing, right? Because most like plastic going surgery... going to the dark side. Residencies <laughs> yeah. are... Well, you, when you do a residency, you're usually in an academic institution. So this is going to be university settings. And they're very stuffy. And they think they're very professional. And they're professors at these university settings. And there's, yeah, there's people tend to look down on the residents that want to go into aesthetic surgery as perhaps being frivolous or not, you know, being as important because you're not doing the hardcore reconstructions although I think many people would argue that what we do is plenty hard very mm-hmm. hard and yeah. not even more technically you know skilled than some of the other procedures that are out there but there is it is for a long time 
if you're going into aesthetic surgery as a resident, you kind of keep it hush-hush for the first couple of years. <laughs> and then as the match starts getting closer, you're like, well, I've been thinking about doing aesthetics. Maybe microvascular, too. I'm still deciding. And like in the back of your mind, you're like, I've been thinking about this since I came into the program. But you got to play the game. And But the, but the, here's the other thing I also learned, because people said that about going into plastics out of general surgery. Yes. When I was going through general surgery, they were like, don't tell anybody you want to do plastics, because then they won't take you seriously and I just found that to not be true at all like if you show up put your head down do a really good job take care of your patients show up do the work they're going to appreciate that no matter what specialty you choose to go to. It's the people that come in, slack off, say, oh, I'm never going to do this procedure in my life. I don't need to worry about this. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that people don't like. Yeah. Just show up and do a good job anywhere you go. Just in general. Good life advice. Good life advice. Yeah. Show up. Do your hardest. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that I do aesthetic surgery. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't feel like, I mean, I do. I do a lot of aesthetic surgery, but. I remember Ed Kwan was Edwin Kwan from UCSF came down to do his aesthetic surgery fellowship. He was the first formal fellow, even though I mentioned I've trained other people in sort of fellowship setting before that. And for the first two weeks, we did like, I think, 10 rib grafts, followed by the next week where we did, I think, four or five, 600 cc breast implants. But, but for the first two weeks, <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, all the rib grafts. And only 600 cc's. He said, yeah. why do you even have any other, why do you need this consignment? You just need one size of implants. <laughs> I don't usually put 600s in. I just put in 295s for everybody. Like, oh, he only puts in 600 cc implants. That's not true. Um, so Ed looks at me after the first two weeks. I go, so what do you think? He goes, I want to know when my aesthetic surgery fellowship Aww. started. <laughs> he was worn out. I mean, all we did was revision rhinoplasty. Yeah. And it was like an overload of them. I, I don't do that anymore. Now I do like, I think I'll do two to four a week if I if, mm-hmm. if I really am doing those big reconstructive yeah. rhinoplasties. They're hard and they take a lot out of you and they're, you know, primaries I can do, I can do them in, you know, ra- rapid fire and get them done great and the patients are happy. But revision rhinoplasty is a very, very tough specialty and I don't know that that's really aesthetic surgery. I guess it is. I uh, I think it's pretty hard stuff. I mean, it's both. I mean, it's you know, reconstruction and aesthetic because like in the end, it needs to be nice. Yeah, I mean, you do these, you know, very difficult, you know, body lift cases and, you know, they're just as hard they're as hard. doing a, you know, you're in there for, you know, seven hours, like mm-hmm. taking yards of skin off of mm-hmm. humans. Yeah. yeah. Percentages of weight. Yeah. You know, you're sewing up, <laughs> sewing up, you know, surgical incisions that are taller than, than Me. you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, seriously, right? It's not a joke. I mean, you you do a brachioplasty and a circumferential body lift. I mean, you're there for quite some time. Mm -hmm. It's hard work, Mm -hmm. and you got to do it right. So that's what the training is for. And that's what it's for. And then the only thing I will say to sort of cap this off, um, I will reference you back probably a couple of years ago, a podcast we did about board certification in plastic surgery. Because that is the next step. After you've gone through like decades of training, then you still have one or two more hoops to go through. And that's going to be getting your board certification. And that is a whole hoop jumping process. You know, I keep saying this word hoop jumping because when I was in medical school or applying to medical school, I had a a really... (laughs) I was, I was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I had a friend who had been with me through this whole process and she was lovely. And she was like watching me and she's like, I'm exhausted. She's like, you were literally a professional hoop jumper because she saw me go through like the MCATs Mm -hmm. to get into medical school, to do the USMLE step ones, to the Mm -hmm. USMLE step twos, to do the match. And she's like... All you do is jump through one hoop after another. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of yep. that's kind of how we do it. So there's yes, that's why I say hoop jumping. The final one, of course, being that board certification. 
topic for another podcast. But all being said, yes, mom, we are real doctors. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was good. That's a good little... uh round table discussion there uh yeah. thanks for joining us on yeah this of course one. thanks for having me of course Dr. thank Jenny, you Jenny. You know, out here from uh, johns hopkins off to your next uh, interview week visiting yeah. week somewhere so yeah. that'll be great um hope you'll come visit us again yeah and i'd love to this is the beverly hills plastic surgery podcast coming to you from the 90210 if you like what you heard on the beverly hills plastic surgery podcast and want to get in touch with either dr ravello or myself this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests. Or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon.